0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network
1: hey Cobbers from the land down under this is the cricket badger big bash daily podcast whether you're with the strikers the stars or the sixes you might be a renegade enjoy the heat love the thunder like a scorcher or prefer hurricanes
0: brought to you in association with
1: bluecrocodile.co.uk tie your kangaroo down put another shrimp on the barbie and enjoy the fun
2: It's going to be a ripper. Big Bash 10. Hello everybody, welcome along. It's another edition of the Big Bash Daily. I'm the cricket badger, James Butler. We've got a bit of a corker on our hands at the moment. Adelaide Strikers against the Melbourne Renegades. And the Renegades are for once in our lives in the hunt in this one. 3.1 overs to go. They are in the chase as Rashid Khan is bowling final ball. And Mohamed Nabi playing really nicely. He's Afghan compatriot. He's now 54, not out. Fraser McCurk, the other end, 22, not out. This is bubbling up to be a really good finish. Thank you to bluecrocodile.co.uk for their support of the Big Bash Dailies. Snapping up the right mortgages for you. Blue Croc Money on Twitter. Joining me today it's Oliver Prendergast and Sam Dalling to steer us through the end of this Melbourne Renegades run chase and I'm going to talk about the strength of the big bash league. Sam, this is do or die really for the Renegades, isn't it? They're, they're putting up a good fist though with this chase. Three overs left, twenty-eight to win off the final eighteen balls. But Mohamed Nabi going great guns.
0: Yeah, they really are. As you say, it is is do or die looking at the table. They're in real danger of getting stranded there at the bottom, particularly with the Brisbane Heat now on fire. So this would be a, a, a welcome morale boost but yes it's, it really is much needed if they're going to retain any sort of chance of qualifying for the playoffs but yeah it's going to be a, a close one obviously as a strikers fan you know where my money is it's very much on the blue but it's looking tough and it, it's breaking this partnership it's going to be tough for a new batter to come in at this stage
2: yeah good point that as Sonny Briggs is bowling reverse sweep but it's only trickled down off the legs of the wicketkeeper down to the fielder at short uh, third man they go through for a bye so uh, another run to the score 26 need did. Ollie, this is uh, bubbling up to be an absolute corker. The Renegades, though, we, we know with T20, it's all about momentum, isn't it? That word that we use a lot in sport. As Briggs bowls again, full toss driven back to him. Oh, nearly a return catch, but it's gone straight down the ground, and it's uh, been fielded just inside the boundary. Two more runs to the total. But Ollie, yeah, th- that word momentum. The Renegades have none, have they? And they've got no confidence in these kind of situations. This is going to take a lot of guts from them to uh, see at home.
1: I You know what? I didn't. I wrote them off at the start of this game when when I thought, well, they're in. To see them get this close after the the implosions they've had so far is a really good sign. And I think I think more than anything, I think I think it would be, and I'm speaking as a Melbourne Stars fan, I'd like to see the Renegades win. No one wants to see a, a team marooned at the bottom, even if they are city rivals. But yeah, I think it's key for them to get momentum and possibly halt the strikers' momentum as well. I, I think it's really, really, um, it's quite a turning point game but for both these sides, because going into it, I think the strikers would assume they'd pick up four points, or most other teams would assume they'd pick up four points against what has been an abject Renegades campaign so far. As they need this win to get any momentum going.
2: Final ball then of the uh, third from last over from Danny Briggs. It's driven down the ground. They come back for two more. Two overs left from the Renegades. 21 runs needed to beat the Adelaide Strikers. Let's have a look at the match so far in terms of who scored the runs earlier on today. And it was Phil Salt who dominated for the Adelaide Strikers at the top of their innings. He made 59 from 42 balls, 30 from Matt Renshaw, his opening partner, 42 from the number three, Alex Carey, and then we had 19 from Jake Weatherold. 177 for 7. 3 for 43 from Peter Hatsoglu, the very promising spinner for the uh, Renegades. And in the Renegades chase. They lost Aaron Finch early. They lost Mackenzie Harvey early as well. Sam Harper made. 18, but Mohamed Nabi unbeaten on 58, 22 not out from Fraser McGurk, and they are getting close. We've seen two wickets for Rashid Khan as well, two for twenty-four. As always, tidy. Peter Siddle, who just a few moments ago had a real big blow on his hand. I think he's in a bit of pain out there. But I think it's his left hand that's hurting. His right hand's gonna be the one that's delivering the ball as he comes in to bowl to Mohamed Nabi. Twelve balls left. Nabi swings that into the leg side. It's only gonna be one. So now it's uh, twenty needed from the final. 11. He said, Sam, your money's on the uh, the blue side here, the Adelaide strikers. If I was to give you a mythical tenor, is that where you'd you place it at the moment? Or Renegades have a chance there, don't they? 20 from 11?
0: Yeah, they really do. I, I'm pleased to see Peter Siddle bowling, you know, an experienced campaigner. And I think he bowled a couple of overs ago and only went for three. So if there's one man, well, actually, maybe he's on the screen now chatting to Rashid. Rashid's obviously bowled out, and I think he's bowled his four overs and really tightly again. But yeah, I'm still. I'm still confident, James. You know, I'm just waiting for the renegade implosion that we've seen all season. Expect them to be seven down for 159 by the end of this over.
2: Well, Fraser McGurk, he paddle sweeps over the top of the short, fine leg fielder. Peter Siddle puts his head in his hands. Oh, and there's a misfield as well on the boundary. They might get an extra run for that. And they come back for three, I think. So that's a good bit of uh, play from Fraser McGurk. 17 needed, 10 balls left there's a rather strange looking uh, fella in the stands there with a big blue wig on who is I'm sure supporting the Adelaide strikers in Adelaide today, we're seeing in in this big bash a few youngsters, names that I haven't been too aware of in the past coming through and uh, just lighting it up every now and again, Fraser Mugurk is one of those today, we'll just see this next ball from Peter Siddle, Renegades need 17 from 10 balls, 161 for 4, can the Renegades get across the line for once in this BBL 10, Siddle balls again, it's a technical. Yorker, driven straight back at him, fields off his own bowling. Dot ball, precious stuff for the strikers at the moment. Ollie, where would you put your money at the moment?
1: Naby on strike, uh, at the moment 17 off nine needed. Uh, even if a wicket falls, it's only two hits really and you're really ahead of the game. Interesting to see that they went siddle for the what is the key, the 19th over. So it'll be interesting how it plays out.
2: Oh, great shot from Naby. drives it straight down the ground, low full toss, punches it down through the long on boundary. Four key runs for the Renegades, 13 now needed from eight.
0: Get your Yorker slightly wrong when it's a boundary these days. There's no room for error.
2: Yeah, it's the best ball, but it's not when you get it wrong. Siddle comes in again. 30 needed. Eight balls remain. Siddle bowls, and that's another attempted at Yorker. Nabi just steps back and smashes that one. Through extra cover. Was it over extra cover? It's a terrific yeah. shot, regardless. It's gone for six all the way from Mohammed Nabi. And he's winning this match on his own. They need their big men to stand up. Mohamed Nabi, experienced overseas campaigner. And he's absolutely mullered that one over extra cover into the stands for six. And does that settle it, do you think? Is there a twist in this one?
1: Do you know what? Knowing Renegades, you never know. But you think that's settled it. They're really in the box seat now. It's there's to lose, I would definitely consider that. Those, cannot,
2: those two balls have really
1: tipped in their favour.
2: Next one's driven down the ground by uh, Mohamed Nabi Straight down the ground. Fielder is there. They're going to come back for two and they get there. So we're gonna enter the final over in Adelaide with the Renegades needing five to win from six. It's not done and dusted just yet. And Mohammed Nabi though, fantastic innings from him. He's seventy-one, not out. Fraser McGurt, the other end, is twenty-seven, and five more runs to win this one. <laughs> In changing times like these, make a change yourself. Buy your own home. Still living with parents or renting? Why not buy your first property? Mortgage rates are lower than ever. Speak to Blue Crocodile. Blue Crocodile? Yeah, Blue Crocodile. They'll get you the right first time by a deal by searching the market for the most competitive option for you. They don't bite. They're just straight-talking people like me. Give them a bell or go online. Blue Crocodile. Blue oh. Crocodile. So we enter this final over then. Five required, six balls left. The Scorchers, the only team to have lost so far... To the Melbourne Renegades in their opening match of the campaign since then it's been seven straight defeats for the Melbourne side Peter Siddle joining Wes Agar to try and set the field for this final over and Sam you call that exactly right Peter Siddle got his Yorkers wrong there didn't he one was a loathal toss thumped back down the ground by Mohamed Nabi he then overcompensated and it turned into a half folly that was smashed over extra cover
0: yeah I mean it really is a batsman game in in that respect I mean, it's just you there's, as I said, there's no margin for error. It's, as you say, the best ball, but also can be the worst ball. And sometimes you get it right and these guys still get it away for four. I remember, well, we're going back a few years, but a guy at Somerset called Alfonso Thomas used to be so brilliant at He's a ball six in the block hole and it really is a weapon.
2: Here's Aga again. He goes for the Yorker. It's a better execution of that ball, but Fraser McGurk digs it out. Into the leg side, and they go through for a single. So they're within one shot along the ground now of uh, victory, the Melbourne Renegades, and they've got their key man, Mohamed Nabi, on strike for the remaining five balls. Four required, five balls left. Just uh, on the graphic on the screen, Renegades, seven matches defeated. The record is the uh, Sydney Thunder with 10. But they're fourth in that list, and they'll be rather happy to stop their progress up that chart if they can win today. Wes Agar has the ball in hand. Five balls left. The Renegades, four from victory. The Adelaide strikers taking the time to set the field, as you'd understand, as Wes Agar comes in to bowl to Mohamed Nabi. It's short. Nabby swings at that one, misses, and a crucial dot ball four off four. This is where T twenty comes into its own, Ollie, isn't it? Because you can have a dot ball to follow this one, and all of a sudden it's four off three. Batsman gets off strike, and then it's a bit dodgy, isn't it? One big shot though, and it's all done and dusted. It's it, you know you've, with that far from the finish line as uh, as we come to the end of this one.
1: Looking at this now, if you were a strikers fan, would you want there to be a single to get Nabby off strike or a dot ball? I think there's, there's so much to throw around within the game, and there's so many. Um, games within games look at this moving the field and and, and putting the pressure on the batsman slowing it down I think this is impressive. I, I can't help but think strikers have got this a bit wrong oh, at the Oh, down the leg so side. Is
2: that, is that going to be a wide? They go through for a bye, I think. Maybe just glance the pad. It goes for a leg bye. So it has taken Mohamed Nabi off the strike. Whereas well, Agar got out of jail there, really, because Mohamed Nabi, if he just moved his pad an inch to the right, that would have been a wide, wouldn't it? But uh, not to be. And now it's three off three required, but it's Fraser McGurk, the youngster who's played really well tonight. He would probably be a nice feather in his cap to hit the winning boundary here as well as Agar bowls to him, and He's tried to swing that one away, leg side. Alex Carey, though, misfields behind the stumps. They're going to come back for two, I think they do. McCurt gets back, and that's a bit of a blunder there from Alex Carey. So it's now one off the remaining two. Now very much advantage of the Renegades. They just need to run down the other end.
0: Yeah, they look to have timed this perfectly, James, and what a chase it's going to be, as we said, they, no confidence having been skittled a few times in previous games, but actually I I think I was having a quick flick back through and they took the bash point, they promoted Jack Westbridge up the order to try and, for a bit of pinch hitting and took the bash point that way and it's, you know, it could be a maximum day out for them. Which will be, it's very impressive given how they struggled in this tournament so far, not having won since the first day of the season.
2: I'll tell you what, Fraser McGook was very lackadaisical there running back in for the second one. He didn't run his bat in, managed to get his foot down just in time before the bales were switched off. That would have been a, a bit of a blunder. If he'd not done that, I'm sure they'll tell him about that later. And now we have two balls left, one needed. Fraser McGurk is on strike. Where's Edgar Balls? It's a full task. He swung it down to the fine leg fence. And they're going to go through for the one required to take Melbourne Renegades to a very rare BBL10 victory. Only their second of this competition They win in Adelaide by six wickets and they pick up the maximum points this evening. Big smiles from the Renegades. Heard Aaron Finch's chat prior to the toss there. He was mic'd up today, Aaron Finch in the field. And he basically just told them to go out there, be positive. Just go for it. Go for everything. Dive on everything. Just try and get the most out of every single ball. And those uh, words that Aaron Finch spoke seem to have rung around that Melbourne Renegades dressing room. And they'll take a lot of pride from bouncing back today. Renegades win in Adelaide by six wickets. (coughs) bluecrocodile.co.uk Sort your mortgage in a snap. Are you a first time buyer with your eyes on that dream house? Are you wanting to move or looking for a better mortgage deal? Let Blue Crocodile find the right mortgage for you. 10% deposit mortgages are returning. If you need to know how much you can afford to borrow, just visit bluecrocodile.co.uk. Right, the bluecrocodile.co.uk, cricketer of today's match. I think I know who this is going to go to. We saw wickets for Rashid too for 24. But surely, gentlemen, surely, this has to go to another Afghan out there in the middle in Adelaide. 71 not out, Mohamed Nabi walking off with a big smile on his face at the Adelaide Oval. It's looking 41 balls, 9-4s and 2-6s. Is there anybody out there who is going to suggest that Mohamed Nabi should not be the bluecrocodile.co.uk cricketer of today's match?
0: If there is James, it won't be me. Um, he's, you know, he's not had a great time of it this tournament. I think his top score is maybe first year a few games back, but that was a superbly timed innings, really. Using, I mean, what's he played two hundred odd international games for Afghanistan, uh, formerly the skipper, and yeah, that was a superb knock. And for me, he's the only man who can take the award today.
2: Ollie, I'm not even going to come to you because you're going to agree as well. Mohammed Nabi is today's BlueCrocodile.co.uk cricketer of today's match. Hi mortgages are simpler than you think when you have a crocodile on your side blue crocodile making mortgages snappy and simple visit bluecrocodile.co.uk follow them on twitter at blue croc money or find them on facebook blue crocodile right to finish off with today gentlemen i've had a couple of people on the twitter many saying how much they're enjoying the big bash as a spectacle a couple though have said they didn't think the quality this year was very good it's not something that's Kind of lighting their fire. How do you see it, Ollie? In terms of quality, in terms of standard, in terms of a spectacle, from your perspective?
1: I think we have to look at things separately. So, I think as an entertainment product, I, I think it's really good. I, I think it's well run. It's really well put together. It's probably more fun as a as a package put together in the IPL, which is a very competitive, advert heavy league. You know, uh, uh, which is the market leader. I think you'd really have to look at comparing the Big Bash to other leagues around the world and what it's doing. It's got an unfortunate place where it's got none of the marquee players from India in it. For obvious reasons, Indias do not let them play. And then because of the schedule in the Southern Hemisphere, it's never going to have its own players, majority Kiwi players or um, South Africans, which means it can't have many other teams who will almost certainly be touring those countries as well. So I think it struggles in some ways to attract some of the best um, overseas quality. And I think that's where it falls down compared to the IPL. I, I think as well, because it being franchise franchised and team and teams like uh, Renegades and Stars and the Thunder and the Heat, they've only got one set up. They've only got New South Wales and Victoria to go to for their selection of state quality players. So quite often they're picking players who either might be young, up-and-coming players. So it's great exposure to them. Or they might actually just be very great, uh, great cricketers who are on the fringes of the state teams. I think that's where sometimes it falls down there's a big discrepancy between the top Australian players and some of the up-and-coming players. So the depth of talent isn't as
2: strong as the IPL. It's unfair, really. I mean, the IPL, um, the BCCI, they don't let their Indian players' talent play in any other t- T20 franchises. So the Big Bash is only the same as the T20 Blast, the Caribbean Premier League, Pakistan Super League, etc., isn't it? No Indian players go anywhere near them. That, that's something that, I mean, we talked about that before on the Cricket Badger Podcast. It's something I think India should look at. Because I think a strong world game is actually good for India, but the IPL, as you say, I think is the market leader. I think the intensity, Sam, of the IPLs also a little bit stronger. I noticed your comments on the WhatsApp group the other day about the double headers in midweek and then no double headers at the weekend, and I guess that's a little bit to do with the test schedule as well, and the TV companies don't want three games on the same day with the test match obviously going through the, the daytime. But where, do, how do you see it, Sam?
0: As Ollie's made the point, the, the IPL is clearly the market leader and it, it, it's on kind of another level. I think the Big Bash is, along with the, the T20 Blast, I mean, it's one of the two tournaments in the world that doesn't carve out a window for its own international players to to feature it. I'm sure I read the other day that, you know, David Warner, for example, who's arguably one of Australia's leading T20 players, well, he is, hasn't played a Big Bash game since 2013. So you're suffering there automatically, whereas it, all the other leagues, including the IPL, make a big deal of their international players playing. I think it, it, it struggles financially as well. I think it's uh, in recent years, maybe not this year, it's, it's clashed with the Bangladesh Premier League and there's been more money on offer in the Bangladesh Premier League, which does, uh, you know, that money does impact the quality of players you can attract. So I think a couple of years ago, A.B. de Villiers turned down a, a big bash deal to go and play in the, the Bangladesh Premier League. So I think because the IPL is this, the, the kind of star that everyone aims at. It's always going to fall short. And yeah, the way that the BCCI don't release their players to play elsewhere doesn't help, but I've been enjoying it and it's still very good quality cricket. Maybe yeah. it's not at the top, top level, but it doesn't make a difference to me.
2: We, we had a little chat on the WhatsApp group prior to um, recording today. And I, uh, yeah, when, when somebody says it's not good quality, I find that quite hard to quantify because these are all professional cricketers that we're watching playing. These are you know, some big names in this tournament in the Big Bash. I think the quality is really good. And just because you don't necessarily have a nipper every single week, I've, I think the IPL benefited this year from being played in Abu Dhabi because those pitches over there lend themselves to close games, squashes everybody down to the same level almost. And just because there aren't cliffhangers every single day, yeah, you know, one-sided games don't mean there isn't quality. It just means that one team's had the better of it that day, Ollie, doesn't it?
1: You can have a, a poor standard of cricket that goes down to the last ball, and I've seen that plenty of times. Exactly, cricket, yeah. you know. It, what makes the IPL is, first of all, it's the it's the only league in the world that has four overseas, and, and the Blast doesn't have uh, the Big Bash doesn't have that. But what I will say is, the attendances in, in as an entertainment product in the Big Bash are almost comparable to the IPL, even with social distancing. So I think that shows the attraction that it has and, and the entertainment value. Yeah, it, it, it may, probably isn't quite as high standard of cricket. But when you look back at when the Champions League was in operation, there was two Australian winners. The Sixers won that, uh, I think, a couple of times when that was in. A, it might be a 10 years ago now. But So when actually at full strength, those sides can compete against any in the world. And I think that's a, a good a yardstick to see where it goes. And I think it'll be interesting when they bring back the Champions League, which the BCCI seems very keen on supporting as well. It'll be very interesting to see what level those sides are I, it's hard to compare country to country across competitions because there are different nuances, but entertainment-wise, I think it's really good. I, I like the whole setup of it. I think it's probably a more fra- friendly package for families to watch than the IPL. I think IPL is a lot more Stato and cricket-based, but there's a lot more going on at, at the ground and off the ground in the big Bash. I think it's, it's a very successful product.
2: I, I agree. I think the Big Bash is great. And I also think the Champions League is great. I, I was lucky enough to go out to South Africa to cover a Champions League in 2012. One of the best experiences in my life. And what the Champions League gives um, is a chance for some, with all due respect, journeyman kind of county cricketers. It was Yorkshire and Hampshire that were over there in that year. And somebody like Steve Patterson, for example, from Yorkshire, who was never going to quite get to England level, so never going to play in a packed house in, internationally, was playing against MS Dhoni and you know some of the really big names around the world in that competition and I thought that was a really nice thing where some of the sort of junior and um, professional cricketers could be rubbing shoulders with some of the greats in a competitive environment and it was a really good product I, I would really welcome back a Champions League I really would Where the big bash sits, Sam, in, in the world pecking order of T20 competitions. I think we've all agreed so far that the IPL is at the top. And the IPL has a huge amount of advantages. The money, the size of the Indian population, and it was the first one as well. So the, the IPL has kind of stayed there and is the, is, is the flag bearer and the one that everybody aims to try and topple off, but probably, as you said, never will. In terms of where the Big Bash sits underneath that, where would you put it in the pecking order around the world?
0: It's a difficult one, that. As Ollie said, it's so subjective, and there's so many nuances. I, I, maybe it's sitting on the fence a little bit, but I think it's... there's a, there's a kind of everywhere, Everyone else is much of the same, and they all have... Great qualities. Maybe there's a, there's a second tier with kind of the big bash and the, the Bangladesh Premier League, and the, the maybe the Caribbean Premier League is slightly pushing ahead of the rest of them. Um, but just pure for entertainment value, you know, the, the last five big ba- the last five big bashes have all been won by different teams, and you know, there's only been ten, six different winners. The other sides have been runners up. So actually, you know, we're talking about how bad the Renegades are. They won it two years ago. So actually, for, from a fan's perspective, going into it, you don't want a team dominating year in, year out in, for excitement. I think it's brilliant from that. I haven't got any stats to compare it to other tournaments, but I think it's, it's well up
2: there. I think, I mean, as you say, it's very subjective. In my opinion, it would be first is IPL, second is Big Bash. And I think it's still in second place. Um, I think it's gone down a little bit because I think a few years ago it was really pushing the IPL. And for some reason, it's just fallen away a little bit. But I think it's still right up there which is why we're quite happy to talk about it every day and watch it every day. I think I've really enjoyed it so far and really looking forward to the next few weeks of it up until the final on the 6th of February. When
1: um, the quantifiables were put in place to measure it, I think it was done on... So the blast suffers because it's watered down with 18 teams and not eight, which most of the other leagues are. And I think the other aspect was the window and the availability of homegrown players. And I think when that was measured, it put the PSL second uh, uh, with with the CPL third, pushing the big bash down into fourth which I don't think is a true reflection of where the league is. I would put the Big Bash Stephanie's up there.
2: When when you're saying when that's measured, who is measuring that?
1: That's Quick measured it. They did a league Mm.
2: table of it. There's a temptation, isn't there, in cricket and in all sports to try and do a ladder and put everything in an order and put a number next to everything. I don't think you can necessarily do that with T20 competitions. The PSL... You're not telling me the PSL is stronger than the Big Bash. Nobody's going to argue that against you know, for me because the big, well, ba- big Bash is a better competition at the moment. It's more established. Yeah, it, when you when you say the factors are homegrown players, you mentioned David Warner not playing in it since 2013. I mean, David Warner would be snapped up by every single side around the world if he was made available for a T20 competition. So you're right. You know they're missing some of the very big stars, but that's just a quirk of the fixture list, isn't it?
1: Well, yeah, and I actually. The counter argument that I thought of at the time was the fact is that because of 18 counties, that exposes so many young players to the 2020 format as professional cricketers, giving more people the chance between the ages of 18 and 21, when you're developing still, where you might not have quite a peak. Someone like Sam Billings was never a, a leading player at his age group. And look at it now, he's a, he's a later developer. And the blast has given people like Josh Butler and, for example, Ben Stokes a chance to develop in a professional scenario, uh, situation. And England are now white ball experts. And, and that can't be for the detriment of Blast. That can only be a positive behind it. It's helped bring through so many players. And actually, if you look at England now, it's the generation that's come through, the Blast is providing so much more talent that we're throwing around the world. Talk about red ball, is a different thing. But for white ball, it's really helped England become the forefront team, of anything, around the world. So it's, it's had the effect that the, hopefully the Premier League football you're starting to see with some of the better young players coming through now as well.
2: I agree with that. I mean, there's a danger if we go down this track that we're going to get onto the 100, which will add about another three hours to this podcast, which I prefer not to do. You look around the world, Ollie, at the various franchise competitions, and franchise is a word that you use kind of loosely because not all of them are technically franchises but the fact that they're all played in a in a, in a a kind of cluster of days the big bash is over what six weeks the big IPL is over seven weeks or whatever the T20 blast in England is played over the course of a large chunk of the season isn't it on a Friday night Sunday afternoon whatever Yeah. and I understand why and I'm very protective of Red Bull cricket and I think that's why it's done but I think the best competitions have a start and a finish where you can follow the narrative through and you can invest yourself for that period of time, like we are doing with this Big Bash Daily, and then you come out with a winner at the end of it, and you fall in a heap and say, that was fantastic. I think the T20 Blast misses that to some degree.
1: Yes, it does miss that, and it's not played in a block, and the players don't like that, and they will first be able to specialise in certain aspects. But the big crucial player was was that TV audiences like a Friday night game to show. They like on Sundays to be able to show as well, and also the fans like that. So they can go and have a Thursday or Friday night at the ground, or a Sunday afternoon there, T T20 game and have a really good time and not have to worry uh, about, you know, or just be able, instead of going on a Tuesday night, you know, it might be chilly. So I, I think it works out well for the attendances and if you look at the attendances of last, they're going up and up at the moment uh, and, and, and the thirst and the hunger for it is, is high. It, it's, it's just not very popular with the players and, and the administrators really.
2: I, I I take what you say, but I just think sometimes those, when, when people say people say that they like it on a Friday night, who are they asked, and I think it fits the Sky schedules, and I think it fits the ECB's remit. But yeah, you know, I think if a if a a Yorkshire against Lancashire T twenty match at Headingley was played on a Tuesday night, you'd still get a full house for it, regardless. So, totally. Yeah, I don't necessarily totally take that point, but I I know where you're coming from with it. It's going to be interesting actually to see how the authorities in Australia actually view it as being a success or not. I think they've been hamstrung in many different ways this year and as cricket has done around the world, as the ECB have done, I think Cricket Australia has done a great job. Obviously got a a big test series in in the country at the moment. Having to put on their flagship T20 competition alongside it too with all the different bubbles, with all the different two-week isolations as, as overseas come in and out of the very Bubbles. Um, I think it's been a, a terrific job by Cricket Australia to get the big bash on and, and to get it out there with, obviously with crowds in as well, which is an, another logistical problem for for Cricket Australia. So I think they can take a massive pat on the back for what they've done over the last few weeks. Hopefully that will continue as well as we go through the rest of this competition. And Melbourne Renegades tonight will be the happier or the happiest team in in all of Australia. Because they've got their second win in this big bash. Doesn't take them off the bottom of the table. They remain on nine points. They've taken all four points today. Aaron Finch's side take victory against Adelaide Strikers. They stay bottom, nine from nine. Adelaide Strikers stay in fourth place. They have 17 points from nine. With The Sydney Thunder and the Sydney Sixers still sitting on top of the big bash ladder. The two teams from Sydney playing very nice cricket at the moment. All that leaves me to say, gentlemen, is Ollie and Sam, thank you. You're very welcome, James. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks, that, James. Thank you. Yeah, it was really
2: interesting. And uh, thank you, everybody out there, for continuing to listen to the Big Bash dailies. It's been a pleasure to put them together. Plenty more to come as well. We'll be back with you tomorrow for more Big Bash chat as we go through the weekend in Australia. Thanks to bluecrocodile.co.uk for their support of these Big Bash Dailies. And I've been James, the Cricket Badger, and I'll see you tomorrow. Big Bash
1: 10. Thanks for listening. We'll bring you another edition of the Cricket Badger Big Bash Daily Podcast in association with bluecrocodile.co.uk tomorrow. See you then. Podcast Network.